Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the Frantic Football Podcast on World Football Index. I'm Neil Shalat and I'm delighted to say that once again I have been joined by Ben Griffiths. How are you Ben? I'm good. Happy Friday everyone. I'm excited to be here and we got some really fun stuff to talk about so it should be great to get stuck in. Yep, we do have some fun stuff and also some uh, very not fun stuff to talk about to say the least. Uh, it's been quite a day already today. Uh, with a lot of drama happening in Spain, which we'll start with. But then we'll go on to a few other matches in, obviously, all over the world, as always. Loads of continental qualifiers as well, which should be nice to touch on. A couple of transfers here and there. And also uh, the draws for the next AFC competitions this year. So some fun stuff, lots of fun stuff towards the end, but uh, not so fun stuff to begin with. So let's get into that after this. Right, so um, five days ago, uh, which was the 20th of August, Sunday, we had the FIFA World Cup final between Spain and England, which Spain won 1-0. I'm sure everyone knows that. And I'm sure everyone's seen or at least heard about um, the sort of disputes between the players and the federation that's been going on for, I mean, publicly for a year after after the last Euros, which has led to some of their key players missing the World Cup or rather choosing not to participate, uh, removing themselves from, uh, you know, being eligible for selection. Uh, and uh, they, despite that, they managed to win the World Cup, despite, you know, that dispute dispute between players and, and and the head coach and the federation. And then, of course, we also what happened at the, well, the ceremony itself, uh, when, when the medals were being presented for one, where the president of the federation, Luis, uh, Rubiales basically committed sexual assault on worldwide television, live worldwide television. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, what can I even say? He's doing that live in front of the whole world, and I mean, God knows what he's doing when there are no cameras. But uh, clearly, that was probably too big a hole to dig himself out of. So he has had loads of pressure um, on his position uh, after that, and rightly so too. Uh, from obviously people within Spanish football and even uh, Spanish government officials, uh, including the prime minister, uh, condemning his action. And FIFA's opened, uh, I think, an investigation. So after all that, yesterday night, so Thursday night, oh no, actually a couple of days ago, uh, it, it it was announced that the Spanish Federation would be holding an emergency assembly today on Friday and then yesterday it was basically announced that um, Rubiales would be resigning uh, here uh, in this ceremony so that's what everyone expected Um, and then it was time for the ceremony and he went on to give his big speech which everyone thought was his resignation speech but then he, he obviously talked utter nonsense and then he started shouting I will not resign uh, and and he, he went on a complete deranged rant. I have I mean he was talking absolute nonsense. Um, and obviously his good friends in the room like Jorge Vilda 
and bunch of other people applauding him and all that uh so that was quite an experience uh, because all the media and everyone was expecting i it was basically sort of his everyone was expecting that to be the resignation speech that's what everyone thought it was and it turned out he he was just going to dig himself into an even bigger hole so now he's done that um as of now the federation said that they had a successor lined up i forgot his name but apparently so there's that i don't know what's happened to that guy because this guy's not resigned but obviously he's under investigation from uh, fifa uh, he's obviously uh, also under investigation or rather prosecution uh, in spain with their governmental laws uh, and else elsewhere the i mean obviously a bunch of players have uh, also condemned his actions now i think just after that you know insane speech a bunch of the spanish uh, internationals from the world cup squad uh, have been putting out tweets and stuff in support of uh, yenifer hermoso uh, and some of them you know also directly or indirectly referencing uh, rubiales and of course uh, condemning his action asking for resignation um even on the men's side we have had uh, borja iglesias uh, say that he will uh, he basically removed himself from contention for the national team uh, until th- things change so yeah it's it's quite a situation i th- i do think i mean whether he resigns which is i think a, a sort of a, a dignity he shouldn't really be afforded uh, or whether he's fired i expect him to go but i mean yeah after winning a world cup uh, i mean the fact that we're ha- we're talking about these things is just is is insane if they yeah. just fire him with cause now at this point because once i mean he's being investigated by the government he's being investigated by his employers even yeah everyone's investigating how is he him. not when 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 he was on stage and he says blah 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 I'm not resigning. The speech should stop and they should go up and be like, great. And <laughs> get fired. fired. Because we have your successor lined up. Yeah. And, you know, you, I guess in Spain, I don't know, because they do a bunch of suspended jail sentences. So maybe he won't ever go to jail, but like, you're probably going to get, you know, lagged with sexual assault in the very near future. You are out of here. Hence why we set this meeting up so that you can, like you said, have some dignity that he shouldn't be afforded to resign. <laughs> and then he goes into that. Like what what does that show when they're not firing him now? Like that that shows even worse on this on potentially the Spanish government. I mean but like, the, the government actually you have to be very careful with that because obviously there's FIFA regulations which oh, prevent true, governments yeah. from meddling. But I if if uh, whatever he did, I think it does breach some sports laws. So yes. on those grounds he can be prosecuted and fired. But I don't think the government can just pop in and be like, "Yeah, the government can." Yeah, but and obviously, why the isn't the federation is, just saying? I mean, we we I mean, have the problem is the whole federation. So yeah, uh, you know, it's it's yeah, it's 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 a long one. But yeah, that's a load of changes needed over there, and really in a bunch of other places as we've seen uh, throughout the World Cup. But yeah, I think once I mean, it's it's crazy to think how much they've messed this up because when Spain won. Like for for Rubiales, for the Federation, for Vilda, it was the perfect opportunity for them to just be like, look, we won the World Cup. Like, what were you guys talking just, about? Just, and 
even do like, nothing and yeah, then exactly. like and, and like even try after, to bury whatever when happened. they won like just you know within like 10 minutes the uh, the twitter account of i think the federation or whoever posted a tweet of like Jorge Vilda with the trophy and like Vilda in so you know basically like supporting him and all that so like for them it was almost sort of the perfect situation and you've messed that up so like if you're gonna fumble that like good for them messing it up though because they need to go out anyway because obviously all the issues beforehand but from their point of view yeah why why didn't they just go oh sweet now I can I could yeah it's I'm happy obviously that not happy that it happened but if they can if they're gonna be stupid enough to finally make change in the whole federation I mean, obviously, that remains to be seen. How many of them yeah. do go? But yeah, it does look like something will happen. So I guess. Um, I mean, know, at this point in, now, in you're going to have to do something because. Uh, even just think, from the fans' perspective, you're not going to have any fans going to any of the games in the future if if they don't change anything. Yeah, and like um, even like I think you know this was mentioned in the reporting before that one big reason why they will have to sort this out is obviously because they want to bid for the 2030 World Cup. And, you know, you can't have a this sort of a president yeah. who's being investigated by FIFA and put out a bid in good faith. So, uh, I think with... No, I don't know. It's 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 I mean, FIFA. It's FIFA after all. Yes, that is um, right. <laughs> we, we, we know that you can kind of do whatever you want and get yeah, the World Cup. And by whatever you point. want, I mean... Yeah. We yeah, know. I think we all know. Yeah. So, good point, but... Well, I, I guess let's see. It, it does look like something will happen, but uh, uh, I mean, certainly not going to be straightforward by the looks of it. But anyway, let's now go on to talk about some football. Um, let's start with some cup action. We have uh, the, the Durand Cup in India, which is sort of the start of the season. Um, well, in this case, anyway. And we had the big uh, Kolkata derby between, of course, East Bengal, and Mohan Bagan, now Mohan Bagan Supergiant, uh, which, uh, I mean, at, at this point, the way things are, Mohan Bagan are expected to sort of dominate it because they definitely have significantly stronger team, uh, have been doing much better in the league as well recently. Uh, but they didn't. They lost uh, to East Bengal 1-0, I think it was in the end. Um, and both of them are through to the, the quarterfinals. This was sort of the group straight of the cup. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a shock result. They did, uh, after that, uh, go on to secure their spot in the AFC Cup. They progressed in the qualifiers, so at least got that job done. But uh, an interesting start to their season. So I suppose that's a storyline uh, to watch. Uh, over in Germany, we had uh, the first round of the DFB Pokal, which threw up a couple of uh, cup sets, none bigger uh, than Victoria Köln knocking Federer Bremen out. Victoria Kjern are uh, a Dritte Liga side, so they play in the third tier. Uh, and they came up against, obviously, a Werder Bremen side who are sort of mid-table Bundesliga team. Uh, and Werder had received a really, really early red card. Uh, still went on to take the lead on two occasions, but eventually lost after conceding in, I think, the fourth minute of stoppage time. So a, a dramatic match there. Uh, and a massive win for uh, Victoria Kern. And another Dritte Liga side uh, beat a Bundesliga team. That was Armenia Bielefeld, who, of course, won in the Bundesliga just a couple of years ago. Uh, they got the better of Rafael uh, Bochum on penalties. Um, after taking an early two-goal lead, 
conceding in stoppage time of both of the halves to take it to extra time. And then eventually they won 4-1 on penalties. So a dramatic fixture there as well. Uh, and uh, another another win for the Dritten Liga side. So as always, a couple of uh, cup sets to start off the DFB Pokal. Uh, we also had a couple of cups in America. First, we had the League's Cup where Inter-Miami uh, obviously progressed to the final by which by which of which they qualified for their first ever CONCACAF Champions League. And then, of course, as we have all seen, they won the final uh, and in doing so lifted their first ever major trophy in what was their first, I think, first major final uh, as well. And that it, they beat Nashville's uh, SC to do that on penalties after about... I think everyone took a kick, right? It was the goalkeepers. Eleven players. The it ended because, um, well, well, Cal- Calendar the, scored his penalty by taking a Calendar goal kick, and it just bombed his penalty. And it was one of the so literally. If you haven't seen the penalties, watch them because of the twenty-two, I think that were taken, I would say twenty of them were probably some of the best penalties you'll see because <laughs> it was just insane. And Calendar just smashed his penalty. I've never seen a penalty he took taken a goal harder. Kick. He, he did. He literally it went into the top of the net. It went yeah, just exactly. under the bottom, and then it hit the top of the net before the back. That's how you know. It was yeah, I've seen a fair few keepers that even uh, at the World Cup. Uh, I forgot who was it. Uh, yeah, it was Neher when she took the U- U.S. penalty against Sweden. Like I think half the goalkeepers' penalty techniques is just take a goal. Someone's kick. come out and said it a number of years ago. I think someone basically was like, "When I have to take penalties, I just take a goal kick because like that's." Yeah, I mean, like, that's how it's unstoppable. It, 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 it literally is taken so powerfully that yeah. unless it's either going to go over the bar and probably send someone to the hospital or it's going <laughs> to be a goal, yeah. it's those are the only two outcomes because no it between. cannot be saved. Yeah, and that but the issue is that when you have a goalkeeper that doesn't take a goal kick, yeah. such as uh, Panico, the, the Nashville keeper. Uh, it yeah. gets saved by Calendar after he just scored, and then he gets to run, and he's a complete hero, <laughs> and it was just amazing. And, but but then, if that was not dramatic enough, my uh, watch, uh, the watch again. <laughs> yeah. uh, Our third uh, third podcast member today. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if that was not dramatic enough, we then had the U.S. Open Cup semifinal, just what two days ago. Um, yeah. Just a few days after the Open Cup, yeah, we had, finally. or just a few days after the League's, League's Cup, we Cup, had. This is yeah. the Open Cup, and the Open Cup is basically the FA Cup in the U.S. In the U.S., yeah, which is, well, I think that's the only U.S. only competition that Inter Miami play in, right? Um, so I, I guess that's. Uh yes, technically Messi's... speaking, because the Canadian teams, yeah, teams are in MLS. Yeah. So that I guess this is Messi's proper American debut. Um, and it was against uh, FC Cincinnati, of course, MLS leaders having a great season. Uh, and Best team them, by far, for sure. I mean, yeah, and they had them on the ropes, like they were doing a lot in the second half. Uh, and I, I, I remember saying this before, like I think just after Messi joined, uh, about uh, Luciano Acosta, who's also a, an Argentine sort of playmaker, wears the number ten, and I mean Cincinnati really do rely on him going forward. So I, you know, I, I was like. If if you took Messi, I mean, obviously Inter Miami were in a bit of a, I mean, they were a chaos team when Messi came in, and then now yeah, he just he just he just got Worst his guys, team. and so now they look sort of structured, but like they were pure chaos before. So like if if you took Messi and just put him where Acosta is, 
that, yeah that's going to be the greatest team in the world uh but acosta did get a goal here uh and as i said cincinnati tunnel up um early in the second half but then uh, messi obviously did his thing late on found uh leonardo campagna twice including deep into stoppage time uh and then it went to extra time uh josef martinez scored early on for inter miami put them in front uh, but yuya kubo equalized in the second half so penalties again this time everyone scored for inter miami uh, in their first five kicks and cincinnati's last was saved so uh they are through to yet another final advanced to about two finals in the space of a week so yeah it's 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 going he comes in and plays Messi them. comes in and plays like what i mean this was his eighth game with Inter yeah. Miami and he's already won a trophy and now in the final of another one but not granted he came in mid-season so like if someone were to join you know if you have a brazilian guy come and join city mid-season could technically play like eight or nine games and then win the travel but we we see inter miami right now and how they're playing but this is and, like a brazilian guy coming in at like yeah. nottingham forest and winning a, a cup this and, is like, like pele no this is cup. literally the brazilian <laughs> guy you're talking about is pele coming in to yeah. forest yeah that's I basically guess, yeah and, and then in in pele bringing in his friends maradona <laughs> cuz i mean literally for the league busquets is yeah, i mean beyond uh, just beyond I, there's no words to describe like his role is so good for the MLS because the MLS is not one to like heavily mark defensive yeah, midfielders. Like, I mean, yeah, pressing, and, and so he has so much space. He always has so much space, and he can play any pass he, he wants to anyone. Want. And you have on his right, you have Yedlin, who is it. I'm very biased because he's definitely my favorite like American player of this generation, but one of the fastest, most direct right backs America's ever had. And then you have Jordi Alba on the left. Yeah. And then Robert Taylor up top, you've got yeah. And then on the left, you also have Robert Taylor. And obviously, Jose Martinez. This guy Lionel Messi. I think like, I think I think I remember in one of his first games. I I forgot maybe his first couple of games, uh, or maybe his first start where Messi basically scored with Busquets playing him in behind. Like he ran in behind. I forgot who it was. But he ran in behind the defense. with a you know, chip through ball from Busquets and scored that and you know that was when i knew that this guy was going to i mean he, he was just going to go crazy because i mean the one thing he doesn't do is run in behind and mls defenses are literally letting him run in behind so yeah there that's the problem is that and he's so good at finding space like so mls is not the best defensive league just because from a positional standpoint um they're not great at their positioning at their marking at their tracking because it's so it's it's more transition heavy than like the bundesliga so you, so you don't need to be normal you don't need to be and, and, but you get i think someone... that that's why i said louis city have you know done so well coming into this season because yeah. they basically built a bundesliga team yeah and... no 100% yeah well was... they literally did they have a german yeah. everything <laughs> yeah, yeah um yeah they're in spain they're in st louis and they're not in one of the german cities like columbus or like minneapolis <laughs> but they he's able to do Messi's strengths are kind of like Thomas Muller all of a sudden he's just in space right he just suddenly is in space and you don't know how he got there and it, so in the Bundesliga it's great for Muller that's why he's been so successful because it it really gets at the weaknesses of you know the 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 team system of defending 
in the league and same with Messi. And then you get to the individual components where the individual players aren't like the MLS is physical. And so a lot of center backs can be like quick and they can be strong. But the problem is you then have Messi who gets better when he gets bodied up because he then uses that strength that you're putting onto him and yeah, Newton's, what you. first or second law or something happens and he he uses that as momentum yeah to just swing around and so he he's running it behind now which isn't messy <laughs> that was messy his first ever goal with ronaldinho played right <laughs> yeah. so so he, he ran it behind when he was like 16 yeah. but when he's like what 35 or whatever <laughs> he's not able to but he is in the mls and then you add on to that how he performs well is what mls does to attackers yeah. and so it makes it's gonna make him even better and then beyond that tracking of runners from 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 the flanks like cutting in they just don't do so <laughs> then you can see what campania didn't cut yeah. in from a flank but you have a, a good pass almost an early cross from messi that's gonna cut him out you're gonna have yeah uh, he hasn't played an mls game yet be fair, but he's yeah. already won the league's cup but basically he's in the mls like at this point he's played yeah. mls teams and he played except Cruz has league. to all of them but MLS yeah. do they yeah so. yeah and the league's cup is definitely because the MLS is put on hold during this tournament so yeah. it, it, it effectively he's played you know American soccer but uh they've already won one trophy they're in the final of the other one they are bottom complete total bottom right now in the MLS <laughs> like of 2019 yes, yeah. listeners if you don't know 29 teams they're 29th but they're 18 points are i think away from i'll have to look it up let me look it up of how many points it's, it's 14 points and they have a couple of games in hand yeah in in i don't see them not making the playoffs to be completely Same. honest with you and then if they're in the playoffs which would be wild for inter miami to come in and they just go hey let's just buy barcelona crazy if they get in the playoffs i see you see them oh, losing yeah. I don't need no. anything. The yeah. only the only reason they might lose is if they I don't know if Messi has played in a driving winter storm. <laughs> and if they were to play I let, let's just if we look at who the who the playoff who, contenders who, who might be, they, yeah, they who might they come up come up against, mm-hmm. that would be the only thing. Because the, the key one for me would be Colorado. Yeah. Um, is the biggest one that if or they like were to a come Canadian up against, but Colorado is is doing horribly. Uh, Vancouver. Let's see. I, I think Montreal. Are the Minnesota. Best. Yeah, Minnesota. To be honest, uh, a cold rain in Seattle sucks. Um, <laughs> the summer I lived in Seattle was actually a drought, which was odd. Uh, St. Louis can get some crazy weather. Chicago, hundred percent. Columbus, even Philly, New England Revolution. You go to Gillette Stadium in any time past October, and it could be a literal blizzard. And if that's the only thing that's going to stop Messi, I think, is if, like, not to be all like, oh, like, but literally, I Actually, think that it could potentially, a, a, a driving snowstorm could literally be the only thing that stops Messi from winning the treble. <laughs> oh, wow. And I'd love to be, I'd love to be proven wrong because I would love to see Messi in. I mean, literally, I mean, the, the one that we had the most in MLS would be New England Revolution and Gillette Stadium in a snowstorm. That's, that happens. So. I would love to see let's that. I'd pay money to see that. <laughs> I would fly to Boston. <laughs> well, let's see. I think, yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, they're definitely going to be in the playoffs. Inter Miami, I mean, all, it, I mean, they're last, but like. Well, sh- Chicago weren't doing too well. They're not in great form. Montreal's not in great form. 
I mean, no one said bread form like that's no, on the table. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't expect No, it is. It is. <laughs> so it is, yeah, but I there think, is a big difference from uh, Montreal I, to Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're probably gonna get bottom two playoff spots, but it doesn't really make that. I mean, like you know, fifth or sixth versus eighth or ninth in the conference doesn't really make much of a difference, right? No. Uh, so no, not at all. So doesn't matter to them. So I'm sure. Sh- I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure they sneak in eighth or ninth easily. Like with games to spare, absolutely. Uh, and then yeah, and then because they've mean, got two games in hand from both Montreal and Chicago, exactly. And then so, they have three games in hand from DC right below Chicago. So yeah, yeah. I mean they're done. And who who have they even got next? Let's let's look at their fixture list. Uh, New York Red Bulls, not having a great time. Nashville probably the tougher one. But obviously they they I mean, just played Nashville too. Yeah, they so played they, them. So it's going to be good for that. both teams. So it should be interesting because both teams are now going to know like yeah a little I mean, bit more. You can know about Messi. You can't stop him. Uh, exactly. LAFC is an interesting one. They're having a very that's going to be season. so much fun. But yeah, I think that, that's going to be one of the games of the tournament, pos- uh, games of the season, rather, possibly. Oh, 10 p.m. my time. That's annoying. <laughs> On a Sunday, that's so dumb. No, move it to a Saturday, and then sporting. Yeah, sporting yeah, Kansas then, City. Then yeah, it's all it's all over. Uh, Atlanta, Atlanta United, Toronto. Oh God, <laughs> prefer Toronto man. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. After, yeah, I think you know Nashville, LAFC, are their only tough back to back fixtures, and that's it. Like yeah, Houston, I mean, at at. Maybe because obviously they're in the Open Cup final as well, but not really having a great league season. NYCFC definitely having a terrible league season. Uh, well, I'm playing NYFC in Miami and not in the yeah, Bronx is going to be good because it it's just such a weird stadium that. <laughs> yeah, that and then yeah, like late on, they've got Cincinnati and Charlotte to close the season. So, yeah, yeah. probably by the time they get to Cincinnati, it's like they'll probably. Find Quite possibly have won this the supporter shield, two matches to spare. So, yeah, who knows? But yeah, it's as I think as you say. I mean, maybe it's it's maybe a stretch to call them favorites, but they are I wouldn't definitely say favorites my top for, three. Yeah, top three because they have they do have so much ground to make up. Exactly. I mean, pretend That's they win those next two games and they have six more points. I'm calculating it's what so they'd have twenty four. So they'd be. Eight points behind. So if they win the next two games, they're eight points behind Chicago and Montreal. Yeah, I and they that... make up eight points on. I mean, let's see. Can we make eight points on New York City, on Charlotte, on the Red Bulls, on DC, and on one of Chicago, Montreal? And that's the problem: is that they're going to have to make up eight points on a bunch of teams. Yeah, a number of teams, which means they basically have to win the majority of their games. Yeah, which is I think they can do because they're playing Toronto, they're playing playing. New York City, they're playing Charlotte, they're playing the Red Bulls. Yeah, they're playing all of them almost. They're playing everyone but DC, and I think uh, Chicago Chicago and Montreal actually. Yeah, those two. Yeah, so that they actually aren't playing the three in in eighth, ninth, and tenth right now. (laughs) Yeah, so that that might complicate it. But they're playing everyone between them in the playoffs. Technically, they're not in the playoffs. So I don't know. I think I want. I I agree with you. They're not favorites, but they're definitely not. Not yeah, favorites. and obviously there's the added factor of you know like if you win your conference you don't have to play the first round so there's less less playoffs to get through but yeah definitely top three I think so 
yeah. Uh, yeah. I, but I think I agree that with them playing Cincinnati second to last and then Charlotte and Charlotte is probably not going to be nah. in the playoff poll because they're six points off of Chicago right now. Yeah. Uh, I guess not game in hand, better, but, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. So no. they're probably going to have an easy game to end it. And then a, a team that is going to have literally, it's that it's the MLS has nothing to play for. They, it's not like they're going for an undefeated season. I don't think they'd be going for like a record points haul. So I think yeah. Seattle probably has that number of years ago. So like, what yeah, would they be playing for? I think that's a good point. Is that they might the last two games just be able to? I mean, even that's if they need. I, I personally, I'm. I don't even think they might need too much from those. But yeah, it's it. Yeah, like yeah. they'll definitely be in the playoffs. I'd say, but yeah, should yeah. be interesting. Yeah, definitely will be because I mean, messing in the playoffs would be. It would be fun. I'm not gonna lie. It would be. I I don't necessarily like that. Yamas has you know massive playoff structure like two-thirds of the team seem to qualify yeah. but Messi in an American playoff system would just be <laughs> it'd, just, it'd just be fun yeah absolutely well then let's go about from talking that sort of fun to talking a different sort of fun for you uh shall we head on now to uh Ange and Tottenham Hotspur yes we should we I have I know that I was like live tweeting my thoughts this the last game that we beat United 2-0. Um I hadn't felt this excited before a season in a long time. I have not felt this good watching a game of Tottenham in a very long time. To the point where when we got even 2-0 up, it's like if we could see three late goals in the last three minutes of stoppage time, I'm fine because it would suck to do that. But like I have had this game has given me so much hope for my fandom so much hope for the team i don't know if we're gonna qualify for champions league i'm gonna be honest i don't think we will because i think that we're going to we don't have the best depth at a ton of different positions and so i just don't i don't think it's realistic to say we're gonna go champions league but Ainge has come in and immediately put his system in place and it's been effective in what two games plus like preseason so it's just I mean, what what more do we want? I think it's we already played a really difficult team, so that should tell us enough that it is working. Yeah, and I think one thing that sort of I was really impressed by was uh, how like how quickly it it seems to click because like before the season, I mean, a bunch of people were saying this, and I definitely was in that camp that basically like I I was willing to give this whole season as a write off for Ange because of how the squad was, you know. Basically set up for Conte three four three, which is like the exact opposite formation and exact opposite style to what Anjouan. So like everything was wrong in the squad basically, uh, and I mean they have got some guys in, but there's still a lot of mismatches, um, and and still they're doing like they're playing really well. I mean as you say, already faced a high quality team in United. I mean obviously they have their own set of issues, like they're not as good as we thought they'd be maybe. Uh, at this point, but still, it's they're definitely still one of the top. Yeah, I mean, still definitely likely finish top six. So yeah, they're still easily, one of the, so. the teams that we need to be beating. Yeah, and that yeah. So yeah. even if they had an off game too, there's definitely some mistakes. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you know, really, I've been really impressed by that, and for that reason, I think I don't know. Actually, I do think a top four charge might be on the cards because obviously, City and Arsenal have top two locked down. But then United aren't looking that good right now. Uh, Chelsea aren't either. Chelsea, Liverpool. Liverpool might be losing Salah. Yeah, I mean... What yeah. do they do if they lose him? So, 
no one looks that good. So honestly, I think maybe I mean I wouldn't say is like your favorites for it or it should be an expectation, but Champions League could easily be on the cards. That's the key is that it's not, I know a lot of other fans have seen like, oh yeah, like we're getting Champions League. We can't expect it. I would love to get it. I think we can, but do, yeah, do I think possible, that the word but... expected is wrong? But I definitely, I mean, we're, we could even finish third if you think about it. Spurs could yeah. literally finish third yeah, just by possible. the other, all the other teams, uh, Newcastle, Liverpool, United, Chelsea, Chelsea. Uh, 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 Brighton, Villa, right? Those are the other teams that realistically any one of those could finish third yeah some might be more unexpected like, if they finish yeah. third and others like villa or yeah. brighton but still i mean any of those teams could finish third through what what would that put eight third through eight maybe something yeah, like that yeah. so i think that's top, i hope that top top is not the end of that but but you could realistically see like three to four points separating <laughs> all of those teams yeah like yeah like champions league Until, oh well chelsea's probably gonna finish like you know 12th mid oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know but yeah, I yeah. think that the, the key for me, uh, Emerson Royale has shown literally just Ooh, yeah. like that, fir- that first game. And then again, when he came on the second game, he is way better than people expected him to be in that inverted role. Myself, I know I was very big into saying he is the only right back that we actually have that can, before the season starts, that like that I, I'm confident can actually play that role. And I was confident in that, but I wasn't confident he'd be that good. I also wasn't <laughs> confident that Poro would be as good as he was yeah, uh, I've also been impressed really by Udoshie because that guy's yeah. like an attacking left back and he's he's he is a, he's a winger who attacks yeah right and he was that was the case I was like I think he he should be playing in Sun's role and Sun yeah, should be exactly. playing up top if not on the bench but thankfully Sun has been playing much better than he did last season yeah but but Udoshie is he needs all that space and he goes as far up as he can and then he can cut inside when he's near the box but yeah. him starting so centrally but then you see what he does is that he's starting so centrally and I was certainly wrong with this. I didn't think he'd be able to go left or right or yeah. be able to play in a central role where there'd be players coming at him from any direction. Sides, yeah. Because a lot of, I know like on online, you'll see a lot of people like, oh, like they're so good, a good dribbling winger. They should play centrally. No, I, I really think that more times than not, they shouldn't play centrally because they need the touchline. They need to have like 180 to 200 degrees only. But Udogi is able, maybe it's because he's starting deeper and that there aren't players behind him. And so it, in effect, is similar to him standing up uh, a defender on the touchline as opposed to looking inside towards the goal. The box. The he's goal, looking, yeah. or looking towards the opposite. Yeah, like side. laterally. He's basically. looking straight up. Yeah. 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 He's, he's 90, he, everything has shifted 90 degrees. And you can't see when you're listening to the podcast, my hands moving because <laughs> apparently I talk with my hands, but he has shifted everything 90 degrees. I think that's why it's working that there aren't we haven't had players yet that come at him from left and right potentially at the same time i think you could for both poro and udogi be able to press them if you're in a 4-4-2 press them both strikers coming from each side and then you have one of your midfielders come up and almost like a three-pronged attack i don't think that he'd be able to succeed i think emerson is the only one of our fullbacks that would be able to get out of that situation because he's weirdly <laughs> flair he has this weird amount of flair, and it literally looks like Thomas Muller anytime. I think this is the second time <laughs> today. One of my favorite players, but he literally looks like Thomas Muller because he's so like just it, awkward looking, but it's so effective. He like when he did that thing the first game, he like was about to fall over and ended up not making with the back heel one of the, <laughs> the players. And, and everyone's like, oh my God. 
<laughs> I love it. Let me just tell you, I love it. I think he is really going to be one of the keys to Ange Ball working. Coupled with, with Madison, obviously, being, I, to be completely real with you, better than I probably expected he would be. Because I'll be honest, I didn't watch a ton of like Lester. I knew he was really good, but I didn't know he'd come in and be able to take over all of Harry Kane's playmaking, basically. Yeah. And he has. And it's been, yeah, it's been. I bet just had to be these two. Yeah. I think people are also calling for Kulisevsky to come inside and play in one of those yeah. central roles. I, I think. I don't think. I don't no? like that just because I think he has been way better in his career when he's playing on the wing and that he's able to cut in and then cut off to his right to cut back or cut in again on his left to shoot. I think that if he's centrally, he can beat his men, but then he's going to end up going wide. I really think he's going to end up moving wide to then spend more time to cut back inside. I don't think he's going to be able to, because he's a good passer. I just think that he's really good at, at releasing pressure and stuff and on the wing and then driving forward in his space. And he can move diagonally inside so that he ends up central. But I think I, starting central, I would be cautious if he'd be as effective. I think he would be effective, but would he be as effective as if he were to start on the wing like he has for us? I think if anything, he'd be more effective, maybe center. I mean, like not pure center, you know, like more right half space. But like, I think especially under Conte, he was definitely at his best in that right half space. Like you had Kane centrally, Son on the left, but, you know, really pushing up. And then Kulusevsky was sort of like the connector like in, the middle, in that kind system, of, yeah. uh, you know, towards the right and connecting everything. Now, obviously, he doesn't have to do as much connecting because there's a bunch more midfielders and the fullbacks coming in all that. But I do think he, like, I, I think putting him on the touchline sort of limits his influence a bit sometimes because I think he can create more danger in the central areas because he, he, he receives really well between the lines. And so I think he can, especially with Madison on the other side, I think those two could, you know, really cause problems yeah. for opponents. But then also there's the question, who do you put on the right? I mean, obviously you signed Solomon, who is, I guess, a decent option. But then, yeah, besides yeah. him, there's no one really. Unless you put but Poro I've, there. Is... Yeah. I, honestly, Poro there and then Emerson in that right back role. Yeah, Emerson work. right back. Poro My follow-up question to you would almost be, even though he's playing nominally in that like wide right wing space, have you actually seen him for the entire game in possession be extremely on the yeah. on the touchline? Because he's he's been he moving. does come inside. Yeah, that's he, true. He hasn't been restricted. That's the thing is that he has not been restricted. He's not like, but yeah, and, I mean, I wouldn't Grealish, say I guess or something. Yeah, in the yeah. Left wing and of, yeah, I mean, he's, he's not told. Yeah, he, you, if you he's not restricted the box, then you'll be fired or something. But yeah. I think when he, I mean, when he comes inside, right, the, like. I wouldn't say restricted is the right word, but I think if you put him in that inside role, he has more freedom. So like you know what I I think I agree with you, and I think I want to try him there for two games in a row because I think what you said of Coro on the on the right wing, yeah. and then Emerson right, right back, back coming inside inverted right back with Kusevsky right in front of them. That right side would be like, both good. weirdly weirdly good defensively because I mean. You got two right backs essentially. Yeah, two right backs there, as well as Kulusevsky's work rate to track back. Yeah. And even if he commits a foul, it doesn't matter because if when he tracks back, if he commits a foul, it's normally not like, oh, why'd you do that? It's like, thank you. Like, that was a tactic. <laughs> so foul. I appreciate yeah. your work rate. And so that would be weird. And he's physical. So it'd be weirdly good defensively. 
No, this is really good, Neil. I, I appreciate you uh, enlightening me into this thought because I hadn't thought about it. But yeah, that would be so. I want on the right flank to be a combination of Emerson. Let, let's get adjunct speed done. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, we got a plan for you. Talk about that in your 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 new your new stuff whenever you whenever you're tweeting about all these games. Make sure every and hey and and by the way spurs you should end with you know this right flank these three players because i think that would be so deadly because it's good attacking too because emerson it, it is, works is good going forward he's good on people might not believe this if if we're a year and a half ago but he, emerson's good on the ball and he's good going forward and he's not like the best crosser but he's good at enabling yeah he doesn't have to cross possession the through the right so. and progression through the right yeah exactly. Kuzgeski is so good in so many ways and poro is so good at the final ball for a fullback slash winger so yeah it's it's in and then before you know it we've won four Premier leagues in a row and <laughs> we have so many bandwagon fans that like people will just come find this podcast because they'll be like wow this guy was an og fan before they became <laughs> the best team in history so who cares about our left flank it doesn't matter we have we have a dogie we have sesame when he's not hurt we have son until he's old and then when Son becomes a full-time underwear model, then he can stay <laughs> on the team and make sure that our left flank just gets very attractive. We have our right flank to be very attacking. I yeah, think it's perfect. Inter- yeah. No, very interesting tactic. With Madison through the middle doing everything. That- yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he takes it. So, yeah. Well, there's, I think, your next five years sorted at least. Uh, let's, let's see how it goes. I there think we go. If, if you guys do win a trophy, uh, then I just request Ange to give me like... I don't know. I'll take 1% of the price money. That should be good enough for me. But uh, yeah. Let- <laughs> I, when we win the Champions League, let's take let's take just a tiny portion of that. The, 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 if we win like the Papa John's trophy or whatever, yeah. I'll take free pizzas for, for life. That's fine with me. If we win the Champions yeah. League, I'll take I'll take a little cut of that. Yeah, so this is very, you already notice it. So yeah. 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 What but, what is a cool two million bucks to a team that spends that just got a hundred million dollars for a player who was thirty. Yeah, exactly. Who they spent technically zero dollars to, to buy. So there you have it. Simple. And then this podcast will have really great audio quality for the rest of eternity because we're yeah. gonna have some. We're gonna we're gonna get a nice Best hut, you know. Yeah. And then we're gonna set up in there. We'll do it every day. <laughs> yeah, that that's sort of great. To work. Yeah. So I think we started our future with that. Just gonna wait five years. Let let's do it. Anyway, let's let's go. Oh, should we move on? <laughs> yeah, let's let's move on to uh, some of the other stuff. Uh, Manchester City won the year for Super Cup, as always. I mean, not as always, first time. <laughs> uh, no, no surprise there. So let's move on to our Champions League qualifiers. Marseille out once again. They've lost to Panathinaikos uh, on penalties after a dramatic two-legged tie. So I think that's a couple or maybe three seasons in a row where. French teams have lost uh, the the sort of playoff round uh, or rather the third round uh, tie, which is really bad for their coefficient because then they just have two teams in the Champions League uh, as they do this season as well. And now they're under serious threat of even dropping out of the top five in the UEFA coefficient. So not good stuff for them, but uh, good stuff for Bosnia and Herzegovina and uh, Zrinski Mostar who become the first team uh, from the country to qualify for a, a UEFA group stage proper. And now all that's left to decide is whether it will be the Europa League or the UEFA Con- uh, Conference League. They beat uh, Brezablik 
of Iceland in the third round uh, of the Europa League. But Breitablik themselves not having a bad time because they have a 1-0 lead in their Europa Conference League playoff uh, match. And of course, if they win it, or if they draw the second leg now, they'll become the first Icelandic team to qualify for a UEFA group stage. Uh, and of course, Klaxvik uh, have already become the first Faroese team to qualify for a UEFA group stage. So uh, once again, I guess it's just another advert for the Europa Conference League, which remains the best thing UEFA has ever done. So great stuff there. We also have qualifiers going on uh, in Africa, just the first rounds there. So I suppose we'll save those for later. In Asia as well, we had a couple. I think the big story was El Nassar throwing a massive scare against uh, Shabab El Ali. Uh, two one down at like what 85, 86 minutes. Yeah, uh, right at the then, end they were yeah, just, seemingly going out. Yeah, and then they woke up and a uh, big game player Anderson Taliska with the winner in stoppage time. Uh, and of course, I've been open. He's definitely their best player. I know that, or I mean, definitely better than Ronaldo last season. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, I, I think he remains the, yeah, the big game player. I'm, I'm yet to see someone better than Anderson Taliska. For El 100%. I, well, he knows, he knows the league too. He knows, he knows, he's, yeah. I, yeah, he's definitely my, my favorite on their team. Yeah. For sure. That's, but anyway, they're through. And of course, the draw's been done. We'll touch on that uh, in a little bit. Let's quickly head over to a couple of Asian leagues, though. Over in the East, uh, we had. Well, relegation battlers Gangwon were winless uh, in 16 games until they faced uh, runaway leaders Ulsan Hyundai uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then they beat them. They beat them 2-0 uh, for their first win in, as I say, 17 games. Unfortunately, they're still bottom because uh, Suwon Blue Wings uh, won uh, their match, the, well, their subsequent match. But they are effectively a couple points from, well... Wait a minute. Yeah, so they they are still a few points off safety, rather, but they are still in touching distance despite going sixteen matches without a win. So yeah, big shock there. Of course, Ulsan Hyundai is still running away with it. Eleven yeah, points clear. Yeah, is running away. But do you want to know what's even funnier? The Ooh. the last game that Ulsan had lost, mm-hmm. Suwon Blue Wings. Like oh, wow. a couple <laughs> weeks beforehand. <laughs> so so they they they've managed to now they are They're the Robin Hood. They're eleven points clear of of Pohang, but they've managed in the past within the past five games to lose to both of the of two the worst teams in the league. I I, I think which they, is just I, hilarious. Like I mean, honestly, like June July was pretty obvious they're gonna win the league, so I think they decided to sort of become the Robin Hood of the league then, like steal from the top teams yep. and give to the poor teams. So yep. yeah, fair fair play to them. I think they beat the John Book. Uh, I think, yeah, their last game was against yeah, them, right? Yeah, they beat him uh, last week. Yeah, so weekend or something. There you go. Uh, there you have it. So, well yeah. done to Ulsan. Uh, great stuff from them. Uh, and over in Japan, we had a big match last week um, between Kashima Antlers and Nagoya Grampus, uh, which uh, Nagoya Grampus won, I think, by just a solitary goal. So, with that, uh, we have 11 matches left in the season for both those teams at the moment. And Kashima Antlers are 11 points off the top of the table, which is, of course, Yokohama F. Marinos. So, uh, I think that's that's honestly their title chance is done. Uh, so, the most successful club uh, in J-League history will go another season 
without the title. I think last time they won was uh twenty sixteen. So yeah, seven years it'll be. Um without a title for Kashima Antlers. So an, an interesting story there. And of course probably gonna miss out of uh, Champions League as well because Nagoya now open up the gap to six points. Well or rather that's AFC Cup, but yeah, the gap to Champions League is nine points actually. So yeah, uh, not looking good uh, for uh, Nagoya Grampus this season. Uh, I'm sorry, not looking good for Kashima Antlers rather uh, this season, but definitely going to be a very interesting end to the title race. Just two points between uh, Yokohama F. Marinos and Vissel Kobe at the top. And Nagoya Grampus is five behind. Urawa Reds played earlier today and they are within six, of course, with an extra game played. So at least three, maybe four teams in that title race. So it should be a very exciting last third of the season uh, in Japan there. So good fun for us there. Uh, let's now go on to talk about some transfers. A couple of cool ones to mention. Uh, Dimitri Payet to Vasco uh, in Brazil who are very much rescuing their season in this transfer window. I think they're still in the relegation zone. But they have won two of the last three and drawn the other one. Uh, and uh, let me quickly check this. But I'm sure that summer signing, uh, well, yeah, summer signing Pablo Vegetti from Belgrano in, Ar- in Argentina has scored in at least a couple of those games. So he's at least got them like four, four points or so in the last couple of games mm, since joining, basically. Yeah, so yeah, he joined three games ago, basically. He made his debut against Gremio, off the bench, scored the winner, uh, scored the or, or their only goal for the draw against uh, Red Bull Bragantino, and then they beat uh, Atletico Mineiro. So yeah, since coming in, they're unbeaten, uh, seven points from three games, and he has got effectively won like three of them. So a great saying that. And now you're adding Pyatt to the mix. So yeah, I think that there how many points of safety? Uh, five uh, points, right yeah. now they are five points, yeah. With a game uh, in five hand. Five points off Bahia. With a game in hand, so... it's Santos is right there, too. They yeah. have uh, Santos yeah. and Bahia are the two right above them. It's funny because, I mean, you think of Santos as who gave us Neymar. They've historically given us a lot of players, but they're at the bottom. This is why Brazilian Al is so much fun, is that you can have any random year, one of the huge clubs could just get relegated. Yeah, it's... Which we saw again a couple of years ago, I think, with Cruzeiro going down too, right? Yeah. So it's always just fun. But yeah, I mean, the Payet, there's a video that I saw of him being presented and it was just like a sea of people just chanting. And I was like, oh, he is going to cook. <laughs> and he's going to love it too. I mean, he's... Yeah, it's it's going to be quite something. And Well, what a time for him to come. If he doesn't make his debut this weekend... Uh, or this Monday rather, then the next game is going to be against Bahia. So well, and, and this weekend they're playing Palmeiras. Yeah, so that would be good. that would be. I mean, it's gonna be hard, yeah, but that would be fun too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, good time for Bahia to drop in definitely. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely an interesting one. So, yep, certainly should be uh, exciting to see if they can pull it off. Um, I think they have a decent chance. So quite the turnaround for them. And let's now head on to a couple of signings in Europe. Santi Cazola to Real Oviedo was a really, really lovely move. So he's basically come in uh, with like, he's basically taking the lowest possible 
salary and stuff that is legally allowed uh in 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 the league i think so he's basically effectively like certainly in footballer terms and certainly in top level footballer terms basically playing for free uh for his boyhood club uh and but, i mean obviously just had the start of the season but uh oviedo have been like there and there about in the promotion race last couple of seasons but not really pulled it off so i suppose his um his ambition will be to maybe get them into la liga but yeah it, it should should be an interesting one to follow but uh, uh, lovely to see uh the, he's the, from the there too cuz yeah, i mean he basically. went through the academy and he was born yeah. like there as well so he is yeah, I mean, literally lovely to see taking him minimum wage to help presentation like mm-hmm. him and i think his his children were with him and like they went on to the pitch uh you know obviously the whole stadium uploading and stuff so yeah that was lovely to see and should be a fun story to follow this season of course second one of the most fun leagues you can watch so exactly in, so i think it's free on like la liga sports tv in a lot of countries yep, most places so definitely Worst definitely check them out yeah and let's head on quickly now to well i mean burnley have done some interesting stuff this window so just another one to mention is wilson uh, or the bear uh, signed from Trois. I don't know if he's turned 18 yet. He was certainly 17 last season. Ah, he has turned 18 yet uh, now. Uh, but he's, I think, got over 30 caps for Trois, uh since, I mean, in, in last season, basically. Uh, really, really exciting young talent player for France as well at the 20 World Cup. Uh, and I think came through at PSG. Uh, and definitely very highly rated talent. So another smart signing for Burnley there. Um, they just signed um Hans Del Qua too from Underlight. Oh, this I mean, uh this week. Yeah, like uh, another basically really... assembling you know pro league all stars. Right. Well, basically almost the Underlight all stars that he played with that that he was able to coach to do so well yeah. for like that two year span that he did incredible stuff with with Underlight that obviously we see that was company not not the club, you know, yeah. the players because he leaves most players are still there and they start mid table again. He's starting to get like all of them. Delcroix is a big one that he's yeah. he's got a lot of potential. He's not like super young or anything like like some people might want, but like he's got selling value. He's definitely got potential. He's not like a you know a a city quality and Arsenal quality center back, but he is definitely a Premier League quality center back that Burnley have done so well, and yeah, they've done even sense. better on their their announcement. Yeah, videos on social media. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> been sensational. Yeah. Incredible stuff for them. Made me a Burnley fan, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and well, let's head on lastly then to Turkey, where Fenerbahce's window, I mean, just doesn't stop. They got uh, Edin Dzeko, they got Dusan Tadic, they got Sebastian Szymanski, they got Ryan Kent, and now they've got Fred and Jackie Schunder, and also just yesterday, uh, Dominic Levakovic of Dinamo Zagreb, who's a really, really good. Oh, football. did that go through? Yeah, it's done. Oh, so, they, that's awesome. I mean, that's yeah, they're assembling a bit of a super team there, certainly for the super league. Like Fred wow. and Under added to that mix of like Tardet, Jacko, Kent. Yeah, that's quite a team. But uh, that's a right not to be outdone. Uh, they've announced uh, Hakim Ziyech yesterday or a couple of days ago. Uh, so he he joins some of their signings, which include. Tete, uh, Karim Demirbay, 
uh, also made Icardi permanent, of course, Wilfred Zaha, uh, Angelino, uh, and who else? Cedric Wakambu. So, yeah, decent team there. I think Fenerbahce definitely looking stronger, but it uh, should be interesting to see how this style race play out, plays out rather uh, between them and probably Besiktas uh, in the mix as well. So, good stuff uh, in Turkey this season. Right, let's finally, last thing, talk about uh, our AFC draws um, from the week. We had the Champions League and, of course, the AFC Cup. Uh, I think the AFC Cup is maybe a little bit limited in terms of what you can do with the draw because of how the zones, are, which are obviously understandably because of logistics uh, and all that. But that, you know, especially like, you know, like South Zone and, and stuff where you basically just have four teams uh, qualifying. Uh, if there's not a lot of interesting stuff that can happen. But Champions League, definitely a very, very interesting draw. Uh, let's let's start with maybe a group of deaths. What do you think is the group of deaths went? The group of death in the to- the whole championship. Yeah, the whole thing. I mean, group I in the East, right? Yeah, that's. Uh, I think it's it's. Yeah, that's definitely like on. I, I think there's a couple because you have them. You, I would also potentially say Group J in the East. Yeah, Group J is a tough one. Yeah, but I think I is. I don't know. It, it, it's really tough. But okay, you know what? I do know. I know. I do know the group of life, which is Group H. That is. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I have it up now. I'm just looking. Yeah, I yeah. So well, I guess let's let's talk about let's go through them. Group so Group H: Buriram United of Thailand, uh, Bonfari Kofu of of J two yeah. in Japan. Melbourne City, relegation Nash- backlist at that. Not even like Clay. promotion challengers. Yep, and then Melbourne City, uh, Australia, and then Zhejiang in China. So, yeah, Zhejiang are doing well, but there's a question of two questions. One, will they? Will the Chinese team send their literal youth teams again? Um, <laughs> I don't think so because they're no longer in a bubble. But I mean, you it definitely not. is a question: Are they going to care about the Champions League this time? And then the other question is: How does this new look? How do these new like, Chinese teams after, like, well, I guess the what's, what's the league level basically? Yeah, no. what's the new league level? We don't know. That is it's the, so the absolute fact is that we have no idea. Whereas Australia, they haven't played in the Champions League recently, but we at least know that they haven't had like complete upheaval in their entire league. Yeah, and like player transfers and stuff, and stuff yeah. gives you some idea, but like the Super yeah. League. So we know that they should probably be, you know, there thereabouts. Not not Korea, not Japan. Absolutely. Decent, but enough. I think in this group, but, Melbourne City definitely the favorites because I would know. definitely put them as favorites. I would think in, in the key too is that Buriram United are a good team, but they've also had some of their players leave, yeah. like their best players leave. So, so there's questions about them. Zhejiang, same, we just talked about them. Vafre Kofu, Japanese teams are definitely really strong, even in J2, you'd think, compared yeah. to almost any team outside of K League One. J League J one and and you know Maybe. potentially Chinese Super League and then also obviously um top half A League yeah so so J two might even be literally one of the strongest leagues yeah that's that's not the the top division Korean Japanese and Australian sides so then it's fun to think what they could do yeah that's true good point and, and the way that Japanese teams can set up as well it's a very tactical not just J one J two 
I yeah. love J2. It's a very, it's basically J1, but slightly worse. So it's very tactical. <laughs> yeah. It's also very technical. So you yeah. bring that against, if they were, if so, if they were playing Kitchy or Lion City Sailors, oh, yeah. you know, honestly, Hanoi, Egypt, Path, United, even, I'd say, you know, they, they might be favorites to go through Melbourne City, but yeah. But yeah. we got their funding relegation, so it's just <laughs> that's good <laughs> yeah, life. Yeah, that's definitely it. And but yeah, I think Group I, as you say, Ulsan Hyundai, Kasaki Frontale, the two big names, are joined by uh, Johor Darul Tazim, of course, of Malaysia, and uh, BG Passam United of Thailand. A group JDT, J- by the way, are still undefeated, yeah. like over halfway through the season in Malaysia. Ooh. They are beyond what anything I think Malaysian football has seen. So they are going to be not going to be able to beat Wilson or Kawasaki. Yeah, I mean, not going to be sure. pushovers, but... But I'm excited to see how they do against BG Panthers United because that will be very interesting. Yeah, that that should be a fun one. Group J, we've got Tiny Champions, Wuhan Three Towns, AFC Holders, Ravaret Diamonds, Pohang Steelers, and Hanoi FC, who I guess are probably favorites to finish last. Uh, but above them, yeah, it could be interesting. Three-way battle, uh, you'd expect, definitely. So that's a nice one. Group F. I think another one, um, one thing too, I guess, well, let's stay in the East. Yeah. Yeah. We will head on to West after. Group, let's quickly just go Group F with John Book, uh, who are probably favorites, Bangkok United, Land City Sailors, and Kidri. So, yeah, I mean, like in terms of quality, maybe this is, I mean, f- like from John Book's point of view, this is the group of life. As There's as no way that they don't qualify. If they yeah, don't, like, they're going to they fire whoever is the, the coach. 100%. And, yeah. They, they, they might actually, yeah. They won't send their B team for sure, but they could. Yeah, but they could if they wanted to, so. Especially yeah. against Lion City in, in, in Kitchi. I think yeah. that if they no would problem. realistically probably be, I would hate to say this out loud, but realistically they probably should just not play a full strength <laughs> Yeah, and focus, the K-League, like not, and focus on Kaylee because like not. focus on Kaylee and focus on Bangkok United because that's yeah. really going to. Yeah, that's I a tough one. Be, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's that. And Group J, uh, you got Japanese champions, Yokohama F-, Shandong Taishan, again, Really tough to say what they're gonna be like. Uh, debutants Incheon United from Korea, but I mean definitely not at the level of Ulsan or Jeonbuk, I'd say. Uh, and KFC of of the Philippines. So that is the East. Let's head over now to the West, where you have something to say. Yeah, so I was so Group B is a fun one. We don't have any Saudi teams, so sorry, we won't, we'll take a second before we get to all your new favorite yeah. players. But <laughs> Al Saad Qatar, Nasaf of Uzbekistan, Al Faisali of Jordan, and uh, the champions, and then Sharjah of UAE. I think is the not necessarily the group of life, but it's for these teams, it's the group of death because they're all like so i think al Faisali is probably the worst of them they're probably gonna finish fourth but al Saad, nasaf and sharjah i feel like could all finish one two or three all three of them yeah. could finish in the top three and i have no clue how it's going to finish because al Saad, people might be like oh like you know i recognize their name they might be the the favorites for it but sharjah are also extremely good especially against these teams they, they could have a good shot and the uae i think is a stronger league than qatar to begin with yeah. um and then nasaf are really good for for uzbek teams they've been doing better uzbek teams have been doing better and better period uh and they they had a good showing last knockout round i forget who they played but they lost the first knockout round but they they played i think a saudi team and did well um but uzbek football on the rise and so like these those three teams i think could really finish in any, any of the three spots but then i'll of jordan i don't know a ton about them but i have been watching those highlights i'm like okay i think they'll finish fourth but hey they could also 
maybe they finish third if if NASA yeah, don't like do as well as they one should. of those three lose all their games against yeah. the others, then yeah, it's possible. But on 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 that point of Uzbek football, I think Group A is also an interesting one because you've got uh Pakhtapur, absolutely you've got Al Feha, uh definitely not the strongest Saudi team, but they have had some incomings. So like the, they're not like someone like you know maybe like El Hilal who'll just blow you away, but like uh, they will probably. Still but still, also this. Saudi football is. is Overall, one. I mean, I mean, the strongest probably. Yeah, the time. strongest, I think, in yeah, in, in the West for sure. I mean, I, yeah, like yeah. right now, right now, yes, the strongest in Asia, absolutely. So with the with the top sides, but I think that then once you get to the mid mid yeah, middle like, table, overall right league quality, Japan yeah. and in Korea. So yeah. you you're basically having like if you have a Japanese or Korean team in, you know, like in Sean, like we talked about, they're not great in Korea, but they're gonna likely go through. Yeah, just because fair. they're playing against, you know. Lower league yeah. quality teams, yeah, fair. but yeah, uh, Pakhtakor, Al Feha, Ahal, and Al Ain also again definitely gonna compete. So, honestly, I don't know much about Ahal of yeah, uh, I, I don't know anything about Afghanistani uh, football to be honest, yeah, likewise. So, but like, just in general, I'd imagine that's probably gonna be the I know, think Group A and Group B are very is, similar, yeah, you got exactly. three teams that. Could finish any because anywhere Pactacor have been doing all right in Uzbekistan, whereas historically they're amazing. They have actually, I think, not done as well as they have in the past this season. So yeah. they could be a question of you know, but I think on paper they have the best players in the country, yeah, and a lot of the national yeah. team players as well yeah. come through or are in Pactacor. So obviously that has to play a role, absolutely. So yeah, that's that's an interesting group. Let's go to group C. Uh, Al Ittihad, Sepahan, Air Force Club, and AGMK. I think Al Ittihad, yeah, comfortable yeah, favorites. They're, they're finishing first, I think for sure. And then you'd have to you'd have to assume any Iranian team, if they're in with uh, a Saudi team, is going to finish second, if not first, if there's no Saudi team. So because yeah. Iran is is you know, especially the top really teams good. in the league. Really yeah. Super, so, so Sepahan is probably going to finish second. Yeah. And I then mean, Group one B. of the best teams in Iran. Uh, we've got El Hilal, Nasaji, uh, Mazandaran of Iran, Mumbai City FC, and Navbahon. So, El how Hilal cool is it for Mumbai guys, City to have, uh, have uh, like Neymar, Sergey Milinkovic, Savage, Malcolm, all the people gonna come not to Mumbai but to Pune, uh, yep. which is a, a different story on its own, but basically because of stadium reasons. Um, so Pune, who haven't who don't have a club at this point, basically, certainly not a they don't have a club, but they're going to get Neymar club, coming in and visit. And they're going to have Neymar coming in. So, well, I mean, good, good for them. That and game is, be... I need to find a way. If, if that, I really hope that's shown here in the U.S. Because I'm sure that's going to be. That's going to be insane. Just why? I mean, well, because Indian fans, I think we've talked about before with, on yeah, the podcast. That's, that's, I've been like. That's not even the biggest stadium. Because I've been. Right. I mean, that, like Pune Stadium is not very big at all. Oh, um, is it not? No, it's not. It's. Uh, I mean, uh, the, I mean, yeah. So it's what. I think maybe not even twenty thousand. Oh, uh, that's a bummer. So, They're probably it, a lot. It, it's not like though. it's not like uh, Salt Lake Stadium in Kolkata. So, yeah, the ticket price is gonna be mad. Uh, so it's it's but yeah, obviously definitely sold out. So that should be really interesting. But like, uh, El Hilal comfortably group winners in the bag. I'm interested yeah. to see how Mumbai City fare. Uh, I think obviously Navbahar. Navbahar are good too. So I think that you probably got. I I'd, I'd say Navbahar have a better chance of finishing second, um, yeah. and of course you can't write. But City are definitely real. They have the possibility to be 
I think really good. And this and because I mean they were historically good last season. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not. This is not a group where there's two really strong teams. Like like if they were in Group C, they probably wouldn't have much of a chance. Yeah, hundred percent. But like but with Nabahor and Asaji, there's the possibility they have a chance. Mumbai City can get something. So yeah, should be you get you get one draw, one random draw against Al Halal, maybe home or away, and which is possible as we see with uh, the Saudi teams in the Saudi in the league Brody. right now. Yeah, so. You get one draw there, and you're potentially going to go through. Yeah, so I'm excited. I want them to go through because that would just be that would be brilliant, man. That would all oh as well. Uh, in, in national <laughs> holidays in the whole country for for weeks at a time. I'm sure if they get if they win, any, oh, right. yeah. <laughs> imagine getting to the knockouts. That would whole uh, country's going to shut down. That just would be to, madness. Yeah, if they get to, if they get the knockouts, and if they get like Alitihad or someone. You you can't or El Nasser you can't play that in Pune. Um, no, you know where, where where would you play that if you can't play it in, in Mumbai? You can't. You don't want to play that in Pune. I'll honestly, go to Kolkata or something. Or uh, yeah, I mean, go to a big stadium, man. Like but, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, and that would I, be wild. <laughs> group E, lastly, uh, Persepolis, El Duhel, uh, Istiklal of Tajikistan, who honestly I don't know much about, and El Nasser, but three really strong teams there. Um, yeah, Istiklal are, are good in Tajikistan, but not not great. Right. Uh, overall, I think they've made knockout last season, but I wouldn't put them against Persepolis and Anzair. And then I'll yeah. do hell no. I want to put them. I put them fourth. Yeah, but Persepolis might finish first. That's my that's my shout. Mm, yeah, Al Nasser not doing too well at least at the start mm. of the season. So they don't I think click. That's possible. Yeah, that's very possible. But anyway, I think that's all we've got time for. So yep, really interesting uh, AFC draw, of course, which we'll be looking forward to. And of course, great stuff all around, all over the place. So thank you very much for listening. Big thanks to you, Ben, for joining us. And we'll catch you again in the next one uh, where we'll again talk about all that goes on and hopefully have some good updates from Spain. But anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in and see you next time. Bye-bye.